Guys, before we even get into this episode, can I just say, oh my gosh, this is the last episode of 2018 and it's blowing my mind right now. I cannot believe we are at the end of another year, the year that has arguably been the biggest in my life so far. It's the year that I started this podcast, I started my business, I became a registered dietitian, and when I look back on this year, I am so grateful for all of the opportunities that I've been lended, for everything that has happened, and especially for you guys, my OG listening fam who has been with me from the beginning of what is now like month five or six of this podcast when I literally Googled how to start a podcast because I was that clueless and I had no idea. And here I am now with a little bit better of an idea of how to run a podcast, having so many amazing connections and interviews under my belt now. I just want to thank you guys so much, all of you who are listening now, whether this is your first episode of listening or your 24th episode of listening or any number in between, to express a huge slice of gratitude. It's like, you know, when you go to your your grandma's house and she gives you like a very generous slice of pie, like that's what I'm giving you right now, but in a sense of gratitude for just thanking you for being with me as I figure out how the heck to podcast and I try my best to craft my message and bring it to you guys in a creative and gentle way to hopefully show you that you know macros dieting all of that nonsense is one way of living but that is not the only way of living and really to live a full and happy life is to be nourished in more ways than just food so I want to thank you guys so much for sticking with me as I figure out what this podcasting thing is and I wish you guys a very very happy start of your 2019 and who knows where we'll be a year from now with this podcast and I can't wait to see so speaking of podcasts that's the reason why I'm here today to intro this episode this episode is one that I recorded with my dear friend, Tony Marinucci. Tony is a registered dietitian, just dietitian, words, wow guys, just like myself. And I was lucky enough to come in contact with Tony via our mentor, another person named Tony. Uh, don't get them confused though. Tony that I'm interviewing, she is a Tony with an I. Tony, our mentor is Tony with a Y. For some reason, 2018 has been the year of amazingness, but also the year of Tony's for me. So I had the opportunity to interview Tony Marinucci. She is the Wonder Woman behind Tips with Tony. She offers so much value to her clients, to her followers. And what we focus on today in this episode is really crafting your goals for 2019 in a way that reflects where you want to go, in a way that reflects sustainability, not starting at a place that's way too not sustainable and way too not maintainable because we all know that when we set goals for ourselves, it's so important to push ourselves to be that best version of ourselves, but also in a way that honors where we are in life right now. So Tony has so many great tips to offer and bring you guys. I cannot wait for you to hear her story, hear her message, and I know that you will love her just as much as I do. Tony, when you listen to this, thank you so much for volunteering some of your time to come on my show. I am so happy happy and grateful to be ha to have connected with you. Again, my words, they're just very crazy now, but I wish you guys a very happy start to your 2019 and let's get this episode rolling. 
Welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a PB&J enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a ton of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity. To Hello guys and welcome to episode 24, lucky number 24. I don't really know if that's a thing, but we're going to call it lucky number 24 of the Yours Julie podcast with me, Claire Tuning, and another special guest today. Uh, this is a guest that I've had the pleasure of meeting in person now. We're not just Instagram friends. We share the same uh, business mentor, business coach. Her name is Tony Marinucci. So hey, Tony, what's up? Hi, Claire. What's up? Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. I feel like whenever I speak to someone named Tony, when I go, hey, Tony, I always want to sing like the old Frosted Flakes commercial, but I know that's a very trite joke at this point. Like, I know you've probably heard that a million times. Oh, yeah. All of the sixth grade. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so... A second ago, when I was thinking, okay, you know, how am I going to start this podcast? How am I going to intro Tony? I feel like it's pretty commonplace that we kind of jump right into like, you know, who you are and what you do. And of course that's important. And I definitely want to get to that, but I kind of want to ask you an off the wall question first, because it's something that I've been thinking about all day. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. So as you know, I'm the biggest fan of peanut butter and jelly. And I've been thinking, what way can I add a little bit more variety to my life? You know, So I started thinking of different flavors of jams and jelly. So I need to ask you, if you could only have one flavor of jam or jelly for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Okay. Well, I'm really basic. So I'm going to go with strawberry. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. That's a good one. You know, if you were truly basic, you would have said grape. <laughs> No, but no, ew, sorry. I don't know. Do you like grape jelly? No. Well, I mean, if it's the only thing I had, of course I'll use it, but I'm definitely more of a strawberry or a raspberry type of gal. Yeah, no. Raspberry is a little too tart for me. Strawberry is like a perfect balance between it all. Okay. See, that tells me that tells me and the listeners a lot about you as you, you like I'm all about things. balance. Yeah, all about balance. Yeah. But, okay. All uh, jelly and jam questions aside, now for anyone who maybe has never connected with you or seen your content on social media, and we'll talk about how to get in contact with you later, of course, but tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what you do on the daily? Sure. So I'm a registered dietitian and I provide online nutrition counseling, mainly working with busy working women who really just don't know how to eat, how to fuel their bodies, to give them the energy and vitality to not just go through the motions of life, but to truly live life. And so when I work with my clients, I really help them to discover what foods work best for them and their bodies and their lifestyle. It's very individualized. And I kind of got into that because personally, I always struggled with my weight. I was overweight. Um, I kind of never put the focus on me. And most of the time I said, I work with busy moms that are really focusing more on their family and on their children. And although those are important, like your husband, your spouse, everything is, you know, they are a priority in your life. If you put your health on the back burner, you're not really giving them 150% of who you truly are. You're really not living your best self. And I was guilty of that growing up overweight, never really focusing on my weight, never liking what I saw in the mirror, feeling really insecure but always giving my attention to my sister who struggled with mental illness. Um, my my um, 
parents didn't really quite understand her mental illness, but I kind of was always feeling like I had to hold the family together. Honestly, from the age of seven, I was called to the principal's office to figure out why my sister ran away from school. Like it started really, really young. And I always felt like I had this responsibility to take care of others. And that translated into um, trying to help my friend recover from a drug addiction who unfortunately I lost to suicide to relationships I've been in with men who really didn't treat me well. And I really, you know, would cheat on me. I didn't deserve them. They didn't deserve, I mean, like they didn't deserve me and I didn't deserve that treatment. Um, and I noticed that if I kept living my life without putting my health first and what my, not just health from a physical standpoint, but also a mental standpoint, and I'm not fueling my body and really taking care of what I need to take care of, like my life could be 150 times different than what it is today. So I'm really proud of myself for being able to recognize that I can still be a caretaker but I need to take care of me first. And because of that, now, not only have, am I happier, but the people around me are happier and benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. I love your story. And I've been lucky enough to hear it a couple of times now. The first time that um, Tony and I connected in person. So we've kind of known each other through social media for I don't know, a half a year at least now, but the first yeah. time we connected in person, it was at a, a one day mastermind retreat in Vegas. And Tony, the first um, thing that I remember, because we all kind of got put in the hot seat, we were able to each of us tell our own stories and tell kind of how or the why behind what we do. And I remember the overarching theme from your story when you were speaking is what you just said. You know, I was the caretaker. I wanted to give, give, give to make sure everybody else was okay and everybody else was healthy and thriving. But what ended up happening happening is, you know, that wasn't coming from a bad place, but it resulted in, in bad things for you, not taking care of yourself, your health falling on the back burner. Um, but I'm happy to hear and happy to kind of have seen over the past few months of knowing you that you've taken this thing that you know to be true about yourself, this thing that happened to you in the past, or all of these things collectively, I should say, and you've kind of wrapped it up in this box of a business that you can now and take an offer to other people who may have had similar past to you or may be experiencing similar things. So when you're, when you're working with these women, cause you say you work mostly with women, what do you find that their kind of main hangups are? It's like not only not taking care of themselves, but maybe where is that coming from? Is it the need to constantly take care of other people? Is it the need to impress other people? Kind of where do you see that main need coming from of them putting themselves on the back burner? It, there's definitely a lot of answers, but I would say the main answer is I think fear of, of, truly being like who they're meant to be. I think because there's always that it's very similar. I work with a lot of people with weight loss and it's like, they kind of get close to their goal. And then when they see that goal, it's like, oh my gosh, how can I sustain this? And they sub they subconsciously start to self-sabotage because they get fearful of this change. How are people going to react? How am I going to stick up to this? Now I have this expectation to, to live up to. And it's really kind of the fear of the unknown. So it's, it, it's it automatically, automatically in our heads, when we were put in a place that we don't know, we automatically assume that it's bad, but that's not necessarily true. One thing that I definitely recognize through my personal journey is the more I would sit with myself and allow myself to feel certain feelings, the more that I would get 
not necessarily comfortable with it, but start to just recognize that those feelings were there and nothing really has changed. Whereas in the past, I would always keep myself busy and run from it. And I never really wanted to face my feelings. I didn't want to face giving myself any sort of energy because it was scary. I wasn't used to doing that. And when I did do that, it's like, oh God, now I'm sad. I don't want to be sad. I want to pretend that I'm happy, but you're not really happy when you do that. So it's it's kind of like a weird psychological thing that happens and everyone's answer is a little bit different. But I think for the most part, what we don't know is usually coming from, there's usually fear associated with that. So it could be fear of disappointing others. It could be fear of not being able to um, like stay kind of keep up with the changes that you've made. It could be um, fear that people are going to start to treat you differently because you are either looking differently or, you know, for example, for me, if I'm always giving to people, arranging my schedule, um, you know, never saying no to anything and always saying yes to things, even if it was taking from my energy. And now I stop doing that. The question is, is like, does the person that I'm with actually truly love me or are they just loving me because I'm always giving to them? And if I stop doing that, maybe they won't love me back. Like it's, it's kind of can, it can get a really, can get really deep and, um, kind of go a lot of ways, which is why a lot of actually my clients, when I'm counseling them with their nutrition, a lot of them are either in therapy or I encourage them to go to therapy at the same time because we really kind of open up old wounds because at the end of the day, the way that we eat is so strongly associated with the way that we grew up or um, certain habits and behaviors that we're so used to doing. And we start to explore what we're doing, why we're doing it. We recognize that it's usually attached to an emotion or something. And if it's not, then that's like not really my clientele, you know? So like I I can recognize the difference of like who really can benefit from my services just by speaking with them and understanding like, okay, this is attached to something that you were dealing with in your past. And now we have to kind of help you break free from that. Right. And I think you bring up a really interesting discussion here that, you know, by trade and by practice, we are dietitians. So people kind of automatically and, you know, even growing up and coming to this career, I almost put myself in a box of, I'm going to talk about food and I'm going to help people become their best physical selves. Right. But then what has happened or what I have discovered, what you have discovered is exactly what you were just describing. The, the realization that when we open a bunch of doors talking about food, talking about our habits with food, maybe our perception of ourselves, the way we look, how much we weigh, what we actually start to realize is, of course, we talk about food to a certain extent, but a lot of the times food just becomes the gateway to other things, to deeper things, to arguably more important things that will just tend to come up and surface. That's why I love that you encourage people that, you know, if you're going through something, if one of these food doors, I could say, opens a wound that maybe is beyond our scope of practice. And of course, see someone who is more well-equipped to help you work through that and process that. I think the um, the nutrition world and the world of you know psychology or therapy are really um, complementary of each other. So I think that's great that you push people in that direction because I couldn't agree more that kind of what you touched on with the emotional side of food 
And this is something that we become more aware of, I think, as we get older and we become more self-aware of how Mm -hmm. we deal with certain situations regarding stress, anxiety, fear, sadness. Um, Because for a lot of people, what I find and what you just described is that food is used as a compensatory mechanism because we know how certain foods are going to make us feel or how we think they're going to make us feel, right? We know that some food can be soothing, some food can be comforting. And unless we kind of develop that self-awareness to say, okay, I'm experiencing an emotion and I'm going to reach for food. Like, unless we are aware that we're even reaching for that food, it's really hard to be able to open that door completely to figure out what is going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the idea of emotional eating is very, very interesting. And, um, I have definitely have other questions that I want to ask, but since we're kind of on this topic, um, maybe what are a couple tactical tips that you could offer someone? Cause this is the question I get a lot. And I know that you get a lot, someone who has kind of stepped into that awareness of, okay, I know that I use food to soothe anxiety, um, to cope with certain situations where emotions come up. If they know that, if they have that awareness, but they're not really sure how to bridge the gap between taking that awareness and actually making a change so that we're not using food um, as a, as a sole companion in those moments, kind of what are a couple of tips you have to offer for someone who wants to move past that in their life, but they just don't know how. Great question. Um, yeah, emotional eating is definitely something that is that comes up with pretty much in every session with all of my clients because food is the one thing that is easily accessible, right? And it, it is the one few things in life that we can control. So imagine you're having a crazy day, things aren't going your way, and you come home and it's like this is the one thing that you actually have control over. You know, you're going to use that either to help you or to hurt you. And when we're feeling anxious or angry or sad or whatever emotions going on, usually not using it as a positive outlet, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first step is always awareness. Then the second step is kind of, there's, there's so many ways you can go about it. And that's what I really explore with my clients. And really, I always meet them where they're at. We just bring it up. We talk about it. And so when someone, let's use the example of coming home from work, having a stressful day and going directly into the cabinet, um, but you're not actually hungry. Maybe, maybe you just put the kids to bed. You already had dinner. Um, you sit down, you relax, you go on, you sit on the couch and now you just keep looking at the refrigerator and looking at the refrigerator and looking at the refrigerator. Um, so the, the question now is, okay, we have to assess the situation and then kind of explore what the next step would be for that person. Um, so one thing I tell people, there's certain things we can manipulate, right? We can manipulate time. Uh, believe it or not, although the clock keeps going, we can manipulate time. So an example of that would be, okay, it's 930 at night. You already had dinner. You're not actually hungry. You just really want to just have this time to yourself because you're feeling like you had a crazy day and this is going to bring you immediate joy and immediate satisfaction because that's what food can do for us. Although we all know that associated guilt that usually happens after, we really want to take control and make sure it's aligning with our goals, whatever action we choose to uh, respond with. So a way to manipulate time in that certain situation would be just going to sleep, right? It's 930 at night. You know, maybe you have to be up at work at five in the morning and you, you ate what you needed to eat for the day. And if we just go to sleep, we can eliminate that nighttime snacking, which usually is tied to some sort of emotion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 
The second thing is assessing our hunger cues, which I know you work at, you do with your clients as well. It's so important. Um, You know, maybe you didn't eat all day and you overate at dinner. Now you're kind of upset with yourself, but really, okay, wait, maybe you are a little hungry because maybe you really didn't eat all day and now you're actually hungry and now you're fighting with yourself. It's like, I'm hungry, but I'm really sad. I'm angry, but like, we have to kind of calm that down and kind of recognize, okay, I'm, I'm hungry, but it's time to go to bed. So my response would now can be to make that mental shift. And this is for everyone is different. It's okay. Do I need to go into the cabinet and eat everything in there? Or should I, you know, whether I'm hungry or not, I want to eat, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit anxious. I'm recognizing it's there. I don't think I can really go with skipping anything right now. So let me make a healthy choice. And like, we might talk about what those choices might be. That's not going to be a trigger food that might lead them into eating more. So for example, if, if you can't do one, and <laughs> Clara, this is for you. If you can't do one scoop of peanut butter, because yeah. that peanut butter is going to lead to a jar of peanut butter, you know, then we eliminate that as uh, as an outlet, as a response, right? Um, and then the last thing is that, that cause, which that's where that therapy part comes involved. Like we can talk about strategies. I can ask my client what what they've done in the past, like say stress is their emotional trigger. Um, You know, so then we need to kind of work on kind of how to decrease that stress, which, you know, you were just in my live Facebook group. And one of the questions was from one of my clients who I I, told her, you know, maybe we should explore at the end of the night, she always wanted wine because she would, she would, she's a nurse and she'd be really stressed. And like, that was kind of like her go-to thing of how she coped at the end. So I I said, let's explore the option of potentially doing yoga. Um, You know, and then you were so helpful in providing tips on the types of yoga at night that would help kind of calm her rather than rev her up and give her energy. And like, those are sort of things that we can try our best to kind of, um, kind of manipulate what the actual cause is. So that way we don't even have to worry about the response, right? Because then Mm -hmm. if it's, if the cause isn't there, then we've kind of healed that situation, if that makes sense. Um, So those are just a few examples, but it's, it can be, there could be a lot of answers and there could be a lot of situations. Um, but that's just, those are just a few that kind of come to mind. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing. And I think your, your answer really speaks beautifully to the fact that in nutrition coaching, whether we're talking about emotional eating or not, there are so many different answers for a Mm -hmm. single question. And that's why it's so important. If you can work with someone one-on-one who is trained in this kind of stuff, if you can like take that step to find out what is going to work for you, what foods, what strategies, what you know, things to combat emotional eating are going to work for you and using that individual to help you find that place. That's always going to be the most beneficial rather than reading through all the articles online and trying all of the different things, right? If you have that one person who you can kind of use as a sounding board to say, okay, in this type of situation, this is how I feel. This is how I typically respond. And then kind of streamlining a way to make that moment better for you. And this whole talk of emotional eating, um, one of your answers, I think it was kind of the first one reminded me of my number one tip when it comes to emotional eating. And well, I have, I have two, my number one is always like, okay, like don't beat yourself up over feeling the need to eat emotionally. This is something that I see a lot. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh my God, like, I know I shouldn't be eating out of emotion, but I do. And, you know, they just kind of get stuck in this downward repetitive cycle of beating themselves up over having an emotion. And my first response is always like, you know, you are just experiencing one part of being a human. You know, you are having 
completely and totally human experience. If you never experienced emotion and you never thought about food at the same time, I would be a little bit worried that you're an alien, right? So um, don't beat yourself up over this, this need and this drive to eat emotionally, but Second step, and this is one thing that I always like to offer that really did remind me of your first tip, is what are you thinking that that food is going to do for you? Or another way of phrasing that, what are you experiencing or what are you lacking that you are hoping that food is going to give you? So for example, I always like to use the idea of like chocolate cake or cookies because I love cake myself and we know Mm -hmm. cake is very sweet. Uh, it hits that, you know, satiety bell where it's like, you know, Oh, like dopamine response. I feel good. Right. So if you're constantly craving those things, well, the first answer would be, are we restricting those foods all the time? Because whatever we restrict, we're maybe going to want more of. But the second question is like, are you lacking sweetness in another area of your life, right? Are you not getting that from your friends? Are you not getting that from your partner, your spouse? And again, this kind of borders on the conversation that you were talking about opening those other doors and saying, do we need to seek therapy for some of these reasons, but just kind of connecting the dots. Okay. You're not doing anything wrong by craving the cake, but what does that craving, what does the nature of that craving tell us about what you may be lacking in other realms of your life? I like to use the example of like spicy foods. Like, you know, I, I don't hear, I crave spicy foods all the time as much as I crave sweet foods all the time, but you are craving that spicy food. Like, okay, are you missing an adventure? Are you missing something like hot and spicy in your life? Like, I don't know. It sounds very woo woo and it sounds a little bit odd. Um, but you know, I've put the practice into my own life and I talk to my clients who experience these kind of issues, um, within this context. And they're like, Oh, that actually makes a little bit of sense. Claire, you're not crazy. So have you ever heard <laughs> of that before? Actually? No, but I, it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm not going to say no, I'm going to say what, what I usually, um, I usually like bring, bring attention to when people are having, I guess, yes, I guess now that you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's in the way like, one worded it might've been a little bit different, yeah, but I think, no, like, I think, yeah. I'm sorry, I think about, um, my older clients who, um, live alone and either unfortunately they've lost their spouse or they went through a divorce or their children are out of the house, you know, kind of that empty nesting. Um, and they don't, they haven't really done any hobbies or anything. And so like their hobby is they work and then they go home and that's all they have. So when we, when we explore that, it's like, kind of is it boredom it's partly boredom but it's also partly loneliness it's also partly like not in engaging in something fun and exciting um so yeah so now that you mention it yes yeah yeah and I just (laughs) I think it's super cool because like what you just said really speaks to this that you know my catchphrase or one of the many that I try to go by is you can't really separate your life into separate buckets meaning Mm -hmm. you can't put feelings over here you can't Mm -hmm. put food over here and work over here because Mm -hmm. what happens is when an emotion or an experience from one of those buckets overflows say you have a bad day at work in the career bucket so that's going to overflow and then the water that comes out of that bucket is going to overrun the the food in the emotion bucket, right? So um, we can't really isolate these feelings. We have to acknowledge that 
I'm a whole person. Um, it's normal for me to experience emotion, but when I do experience emotion, what does that tell me about what other areas or other buckets, quote unquote, of my life may be lacking or those buckets may need to be filled? So I love this conversation. I think it's very beneficial for um, anyone listening right now because, again, I think everyone to some extent has challenges with using food as a coping mechanism in any situation in life. So I love that conversation. I kind of want to shift a little bit here to something that you mentioned earlier. And I think it'll be a really beautiful transition because when this episode airs, um, Tony and I are recording this in the beginning of December, but it's going to air towards the end of December. And we know what that means for everyone, for the health and the fitness and nutrition industry. It's, you know, kind of the the landslide or the, the snow slide, is that a thing for lack of, <laughs> of New Year's resolutions of um, wanting to, you know, get on a healthier path, whatever that may mean for the person. But the kind of transition question that I want to throw in here before we get to that topic is one thing that you mentioned earlier, and you actually had a recent Instagram post on it, if I remember correctly, and it's talking about um, committing to something that kind of lights you up and mm-hmm. bringing you closer to who you were meant to be. Because when I think of the ultimate New Year's resolution, right? It's taking every year and just saying, okay, this year, I just want to step a little bit closer to who I'm meant to be or what I want my life to look like, right? So I want to kind of hear your thoughts behind um, where this post came from and to kind of stepping into who you were created to be and a couple tips for anyone to take to either identify what that place is for them or a couple steps to just make them feel like they're moving in the right direction to light themselves up rather than dim their light over the years, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I think everybody is put on this earth with purpose. I think we all have a purpose and you can either create that or unravel that. But what I will say is that I do not believe anybody can just live it and sustain it with energy without taking care of their health and wellness first. So whether you already know what your passion is, in order to give that to others to be your ultimate best self, you have to be fueling your body properly, sleeping, managing your stress, exercising, all of those things to help support that vision and that passion. Just keep going, that energy that keeps going and giving and going and giving and going and giving. We have to refuel and refuel, refuel. And the only way to do that is really by taking care of yourself. And that's really where my philosophy from self-care and nutrition and fitness as an outlet kind of where it kind of stemmed from. And then on the other side is that maybe you're in a job right now, or you're doing something right now, you're just kind of going through the motions, you know, you have more inside you, you know, you have a purpose, um, but you don't really know what that is, or maybe you want to create it. Same thing applies. I think you really need to first focus on just taking care of you and allowing it to unravel. And you never know what that's going to be. But what I will say is that If you think of that one thing that when you're doing it, you're not thinking about anything else and you may have been tired before you started, but once you're in it and afterwards, you just like, it gives you all of this energy. That's what you're meant to be doing. So it could be helping people. It could be, um, you know, spending more time learning how to play an instrument. It could be, um, 
just um, creating maybe a craft, maybe like like knitting or something like that. I, it honestly could be anything, but it's something that for you just feels really, really good. And you believe that there's a bigger purpose attached to it. So although knitting sounds like silly, that sounds like more like a hobby, maybe you really love making people feel warm. And you know that when you give them those mittens, they're going to actually feel safe. And maybe that's something that is important to you. And it sounds so silly, but that that's purpose. Like we're not put on this earth to just kind of like worry, stress, and like get our bills paid, right? We're put on this earth to help others, to give value, um, to care about ourselves and to care about others. And I, I truly believe that it, it is really only possible like for you to really fully do that and really understand what that means for you. Um, the only way to really do that is to first kind of fill your cup first. Yeah, absolutely. That's another one of my taglines. It's like, you can't pour if your cup is empty or if your mm-hmm. cup has a hole in it, or if you're constantly draining your cup. And um, I love the the way that you come at it saying everybody has a purpose and mm-hmm. everyone is kind of left up to decide what they feel like their purpose is. But I couldn't agree with you more that no matter how much you want to do for other people, no matter how grandiose or how seemingly small your purpose is, you will not be able to achieve that if you aren't fully there. Because one thing I encourage my clients to think about is like, okay, you just told me that you love spending time with your family and you love uh, doing a great thing at your work, right? You love being on top of your life and helping others and donating and all of these things. But what is the common denominator in all of those actions, right? The common denominator is you. And if you can't be there with your family, if you can't go to your work to show them that you're a boss babe, right? If you can't um, show up for yourself and your family to, to donate or to do whatever it is that you like to do, even for your pets, people really love their pets. So if you can't show up for your pets, right, then none of that's going to move forward. So this really brings us to the discussion of, okay, you know, say someone listening, they, they know what they like to do. They know what they're passionate about. They feel like they have a little inclination towards what their purpose is. Doesn't have to be like world changing, but again, could be making things for people. It could be making someone dinner, making someone happy, making someone laugh. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, say that they're, they're thinking of getting to this place by means of setting some sort of resolution or saying, okay, 2019, we're going to get it. I'm going to go all in and do all of these things. Kind of um, one thing that you talk a lot about in your content, and I think any good coach talks about in their content is, of course, having those goals for yourself, but setting a tone of sustainability so that we don't burn out Mm -hmm. by February. So we're obviously dietitians, so if you want to gear this a little bit towards like food and nutrition, but also feel free to expand it towards exercise, self-care, any of that, but just a couple of tips for people to keep in mind because today, the day this airs, it's the 26th of December, so we're really within that one-week window of writing down those resolutions, so a couple important things that you think is really important for people to keep in mind as they put pen to paper within this next week. Yeah. Well, first things always is defining your why, because if you don't know why you're doing something, you're definitely going to fall off like in February. And we're usually triggered to make a change by either positive or negative. And most of the time, it usually 
starts from like a negative place, um, unfortunately, but it's the truth. So, you know, if you're really tired of, of where you're at right now, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're upset, you keep beating yourself up, you can't get this food thing under control, you can't commit to your exercise, your workouts, you're not enjoying your time with your family, you're like, you're there, but you're not really present. You know, you're just, you're just tired of being in the same place over and over again. Like that reason has to really piss you off. Like you really have to be mad about it and you really have to be like, I just don't want to go back there. And if it matters to you that much, you're going to make a change. But if you're kind of trying to dilly dallying it, maybe your doctor told you that you're pre-diabetic and you know, you really need to watch your weight, but like you don't see the value in that and you don't really care, then this goal is not going to stick. So we need it. We need to create a goal that you really want. Don't do it for other people. Do it for yourself. And attach it. Although it might start from a negative place, now attach it to something that's positive. Think of the things of how your life would be different six months from now, a year from now, if you truly were to commit to making changes every day and work on a sustainable plan. How would your life change? Who would be happier? You know, how would your job be different? How would your your day to day function be different? How are things, how is that going out with friends? Maybe you're not going out with friends right now because you don't feel confident and you don't feel like getting dressed and you don't feel comfortable or understand how to order out when you go out to your restaurants and you feel like it's going to take you off your plan. Like there's just so many factors um, that if you want to kind of overcome that, then we have to be strategic about it. So the first thing is always kind of remembering your why and really getting serious about your goal, that this is a commitment. This is not something you're going to just do short term because one thing I always say to people is anything you do short term will bring temporary results. So if anything you do temporarily brings temporary results. So we need to think about what are changes that I'm willing to make that are sustainable and start, start, don't, don't dilly dally. Don't wait till January 1st, start today, but don't start on everything. Start on one change that you're going to commit to doing. Maybe it's drinking more water. Maybe it's adding more vegetables. Maybe it's um, going for a walk on your lunch break, whatever that is for you start because the way we don't, I think everybody waits for motivation to come, but we don't get motivated. We don't just wake up one day and says, I'm going to do this. No, we, we get motivated by doing, and we get motivated by seeing by momentum building and seeing results and making that one of to go forward and getting those small wins that build that confidence up that make us want to take more wins and get more of it and just it becomes a positive snowball effect so number one is always define the why number two is take action in a realistic way and then three is finding the support that you need you know and and kind of thinking about what hasn't worked for you in the past. Why is that? And how can I change my actions to support my new idea and goals? So for example, that might be if you're committing to exercising four days a week and you know, the best time for you to exercise is right after work, because if you if you go home first, you're probably not going to go back out again. So what do you need to do? You probably need to um, pack a gym bag. Maybe the who for support is scheduling an appointment with a personal trainer or signing up for a class for that accountability. You know, if you're working on your nutrition, maybe you need to get a coach, whatever it is, we have to think about like, who can help me get there? And also who might not be helping me get there? Like maybe there are certain friends that sabotage your efforts on the weekends, not intentionally. A lot of times I tell people it's called projection. It's like when someone's like, how are you not eating pizza right now? Like I, how are you not also having the ice cream and and the donuts and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's over because it's like, they feel like, how could I not do like, they can't do that. So how could you not do it? It has nothing to do with that person. But that person might take it and be like, oh, now I have to eat pizza because otherwise they're going to judge me, you know? And so like starting to, to recognize the, 
the factors that might come into play and like, how are you going to handle that? Not saying that you can't eat pizza and have ice cream, but just like, how are you going to handle it when that comes up and you don't even want that, you know, or that it doesn't align with your goals or whatever it is. Like, how are you going to deal with those situations going forward? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those are things, certain things. And then, you know, the, you know, there's that whole, uh, the smart goals, which is like specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, timely, you know, I'm, I don't, I feel like everybody knows that. So I don't want to go through that. Like, but very similar to that is, is there is, there should be some sort of, um, time on it, but a realistic time. So for example, um, and I know you don't really discuss weight with your clients, but one thing I do is, um, you know, I, I talk about weight as a form of measure, um, and as like kind of a, a vision, but it's not the only thing, but an example of that is when people come to me, they usually come to me for weight loss. So like they might want to lose 50 pounds and then they're trying to do that in two months. And it's just like, okay, hold on a minute. Like, let's make these small goals. Let's get these small wins because you want a sustainable plan. You don't want a quick fix. I can teach you how to lose 50 pounds in two months, but I'm not going to. Because if I did, you're only going to gain it back, right? So, like, let's kind of think about a more strategic plan plan and, like, put a time on it and kind of um, reward yourself along the way without using things like food as a reward, you know? Mm -hmm. So giving yourself something to kind of look forward to, to motivate you, to keep you accountable. Um, And then whenever something doesn't work, we don't give up. We talk about it. We strategize. And that's where, you know, that's where helping people working with someone one-on-one is going to be really helpful for anybody. If they're going into 2019, they really want to take their goals seriously. You know, having a coach that you can speak to once a week and in between sessions and strategize with, you're going to cut a lot of that time down. Like you're really going to probably get your goals a little bit faster. And you're also going to take away a lot of that confusion and be able to, you know, and if when usually in the past, when something didn't work for you, you may have given up, this would just be like a bump in the road. And we try to figure out how to move you forward. And so that way you're always making progress. And then in 2020, which is crazy where the time goes you're gonna be like wow I'm really 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 proud of myself I'm really happy I did that I've never made a new year's resolution for myself and then didn't follow like and I usually don't follow through with it but this is the first time I did and I'm so proud of myself and then you know at that point it's an it's a new you it's habit it's routine it's just who you are um, and it's an absolute beautiful thing and that's going back to what you're asking about how to find that purpose or live in that purpose and truly show up for others it's possible when you're really happy, proud of yourself, and finally committed to the goals that you set. Wow, there was so much in that answer. I was like, oh my God, I need to like transcribe this. Like, I need to have it down. And I think it just um, demonstrates perfectly that whatever someone's goal is, whether it is a weight loss goal, right? If it's someone coming to you for weight loss, or whether it's someone coming to me who's saying like oh my God, I feel so controlled by how I'm eating, by the numbers, all of that. And you know, my main goal is I want to improve my relationship. So I feel healthy, like whatever someone's goal is, it's really defining that why, like you said, and I love how you phrased a lot of the times goals come from a negative place, but we attach it to something positive. I've never really thought about that, but once you said it, I kind of started thinking back in my mind, like, okay, like some of my biggest goals right now actually did come from a negative thought, right? Or it's like me sitting here as a business owner wanting to pursue and make more impact and create more value through my business. That ultimately came from a a place of, oh my gosh, the thought of 
working for someone else for the rest of my life and, you know, not sharing what I know to be true about food and life and love and all of that, like that came from a negative place of, oh my gosh, doing that would suck. Right. So I really want to attach it to something positive, which is of course, like, you know, connecting with people like you, impacting people to live healthier lives, creating value. And then that's what keeps you going. Right. So the, the idea of, you know, losing the weight isn't necessarily going to keep you going. The idea of feeling more mobile, loving what you see, loving who you are, that's what's going to keep you going. So I love the idea of attaching that negative thing to a, a positive outcome and using that as momentum. And I, what you said about momentum was so, so, so true. I always use the analogy of a ball with my clients, um, like a, a ball at rest and then a ball that's kind of like rolling through a field, right? If you go up really, really hard in 2019 and you try to kick that ball that is sitting still, you're going to get it moving, but kicking it harder and just watching it peter out down the road that's going to be a little bit easier, a little bit less effort than going up, kicking the ball that's already rolling. So having your momentum, making those healthy choices daily, and then keeping that ball rolling as the year goes so that you don't have to stand here and say, oh no, it's stopping. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, can you hear your feedback at all? Yeah, no, I'm good. Okay. For some reason I can like hear me echoing, but I'm just going to keep going. So um, everything that you had to offer there, I think that's really, really impactful, especially um, also the fact about visualization that you said. One thing that I'll tell my clients and that I'm trying to work towards with myself is don't necessarily talk about your goals in the future tense, meaning don't say I will have a healthier relationship with food or, you know, I will fit into the size of jeans that I want, or I will have a thriving business. Talk about it like you've already done it, right? Mm -hmm. Say, I do have a good relationship with food. I look great. I feel great in my jeans, right? You know, I have a great business. And some people says, say like, oh, that's delusional, right? But I don't really say it's delusional. I think it's a way of talking to yourself that prepares you for what's to come. Because what happens is when you introduce this stimulus into your brain every day of, I am successful, I am happy, I have positive relationships, then what happens to the decisions that you start making every single day, right? They start to add up in a way that will get you to those places more quickly than if you're just like, oh, one day I hope to be successful, right? (laughs) So um, really visualizing that as you were talking and using that along with tying it to those positive factors to kind of keep you going. So I love this discussion. I think it's super impactful and will be really valuable for people who are looking to set those resolutions for 2019 and 2020. Um, I want to be respectful of your time because I know we kind of both have calls on the latter end of this episode, but before we kind of transition into the question of how do people find you, um, one follow-up question that I always, always end my podcast with, because as you know, and this is like a fun little aside for anyone listening, the the idea of gentle Claire, of <laughs> gentle nutrition, all of this, it actually was kind of brought to my attention, uh, born in my realm at least. It wasn't like introduced to the world because gentle nutrition was already there, but it was kind of assigned to me at this mastermind event back in August. Claire, I can't hear you. Oh, you can't hear me? 
Oh, wait, now I can. Okay, you hear me now. Perfect. Sorry, yeah. Slight technical difficulties, but <laughs> yeah, this, this whole idea was introduced um, in this live event that Tony and I attended together, and she was actually there sitting across the table from me when we kind of realized, okay, Claire's moving forward with gentle nutrition. So, Tony, you are well-versed in the idea of what I do and my platform being living gently, eating gently, so that we can get to the best version of ourselves without nitpicking every decision or beating ourselves up along the way. So the question that I have for you is, what are you doing in your daily life, Tony, to live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself? Okay, I love this question um, because I'm, I'm really proud of myself where this is now just like a new thing that I do. It's like part of who I am. It's part of my habit and routine. But every single morning I wake up and I immediately meditate for 10 minutes, write in my gratitude journal. I say three things I'm grateful for. And I actually say to myself, I, the same thing in that, in the mastermind that we attended in person, um, I was challenged to do something to really remind myself of how valuable I am. Cause I would always, I would write down my affirmations, but from then now I actually look in the mirror and I say those, um, affirmations out loud. So I'll say to myself, I am strong. I am confident. I'm capable beyond measure. I am relentless. I am amazing at what I do. I, you know, I do all those things. I used to write them out and now I say them. Um, and it's a really great way to start the day. And I actually end the day with journaling and gratitude, um, saying what I'm thankful for as well. Um, and just kind of always remembering that, um, I, I matter, I have purpose and, um, that for reminds me to take care of me so I can show up for others. Yeah. I love that answer. And I also love how podcasts are usually always so cyclical and it just kind of happens that way, right? Because everything that you just said and being more gentle with yourself, that really wraps up perfectly what we were talking about with goal setting, because you've made it a habit. It's something that you do now. You're not just going to peter out when 2019 comes around because you started when the idea was put in your mind and then you've been, like you just said, like your affirmation, relentless and consistent with it. And you don't talk about those things like they're a future thing that you're going to grasp. Excuse me. You talk about them as if they already have happened because you're managing them daily, right? So thank you so, so much for sharing all of your tips and insights on emotional eating and goal setting and visualization of goals. I think this is the perfect episode to wrap up 2018 with, which is actually really crazy to say, but it's the last episode of 2018. But Tony, if anyone is listening to what you have to say, they love your approach, they love your passion and your voice when you talk about this, where do you hang out and where can people learn more about you? Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. I love how we our values align so much, so I could probably talk to you all day. <laughs> amazing. Um, but yeah, people can find me. I'm mostly on Instagram. My handle is at tips underscore with underscore Tony, and that's Tony with an I. I also am on Facebook. It's actually tip. My Facebook page is tips with Tony. Once again, Tony with an I and I attached to that is a free healthy lifestyle support group. So if you want extra accountability, you could always join my group there. Um, and then I also, if you want to go to my website, see a little bit more that more about me, who I am, what I do, www.tipswithtony.com. Yeah. 
Yeah. Say, people can message me and like, I'm very, very active on there. So I can answer any questions anybody has. I'd be more than happy to, to chat. Yeah. She's very responsive. And I really encourage anyone who is listening, who liked anything that you heard today to really go and check out Tony. She has a really cool scheme on her Instagram where it'll be like half picture or half video <laughs> and the rest will be just a visual quote or something that she's come up with. So it's really easy to walk away from her feed and her page with some kind of tactile information or something to kind of keep in the forefront of your mind. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but for everyone listening, you can't forget the name of her business. It tips with Tony. It's like the alliterative. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> So I'm a big fan of alliterations, yeah. <laughs> yeah, puns. I think they all kind of fall into the same category. And yeah. I all, but Check out Tony if you haven't already. Tony, thank you so, so much for being here today. For all of you who are listening, this is the last podcast of 2018. So I want to thank you so much for your support in the year that I have launched this podcast that I've brought so many cool guests already to you guys. I can't see, or I can't wait to see where we go in 2019. But if you're loving what you're hearing in 2018, the last episode here, make sure to leave us some stars, leave a rating, tell Tony and I what you learned or what you're taking away from this episode. And as always, if you're super duper moved, not only by our discussion of jelly and jam in the beginning, but also what we talked about, feel free to take a screenshot, share it on social media, and let your friends know about us over here at the Yours Truly podcast. But until 2019, yours truly, Tony and Claire.